Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Really quick here, why don't you turn to two or three people, welcome them to church, smile, let them know you love them, let them know you're excited to worship next to them. We got a got a full house today. Well, it's great to have you guys. We are concluding today our series on Hall of Faith. We've been going through this all uh, really fall long, and I'm really excited to conclude it today. I felt in my heart I wanted to, to really teach today, do a little bit of teaching, slow it down, and talk about faith. We've talked a lot about the heroes of faith and what they did believing in God and what God did for them, what God asked them to do. And so we talked a lot about these different stories uh, as we went through the Bible on these heroes of faith and, and how they follow God. And today I kind of wanted to close our series and our teaching time together and talking about understanding faith a little bit better so that you can begin to apply this in your own life. My goal for the fall was to just give you a taste of what God can do through a human life. You know, it's amazing how God can take shaky knees and make stable people. It really is. I mean, he can take twisted people and make straight lines. He's just amazing at that. And so, and, and we go over these stories because while no one is perfect, we do serve a perfect God. And he is perfecting all of us. He's working on all of us. And, and as we trust him, as we follow him, it's amazing what he can get done uh, in, in our lives. And, and, and you guys are old enough to know it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And so God is trying to bring you to the finish place. It says that he's the author and finisher of our faith. What a cool thought that he's writing my story. And if I'm willing to work with him, he can take me somewhere great. Uh, but today, I, I wanted to slow down and to teach you some things on faith, some things I've learned in 20 years, so that you might just get better at believing God for what God wants to do in your life. And I so profoundly believe that, that everyone, God's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He's got a dream and a destiny for their life. And I know that it is impossible to accomplish this without faith. In fact, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. You can't even please God without faith, right? Because God, he, he'll talk and he'll make a promise. And, and then, man, it takes faith now to begin to follow him and to trust him and believe him. And so I want to look at faith and I, I want to dive into, I want to teach on. And honestly, I might even come back in 2024 and do a whole series on faith and grace. It's stirring in my heart a little bit. And to kick us off today, God is love. First John 4, 8 says God is love. And the word in the Greek is agape, and it means selfless, sacrificial love. One of the ways the Greeks would use this word is to talk about how they felt after a full meal, right? Like, have you ever had just a really good meal, and you're not like so stuffed you want to throw up, but you're like full, right? You're satisfied. And when it talks about the love of God, it is a satisfying form of love. He just fills your life and your soul becomes satisfied. But he is selfless love. He's sacrificial love, right? And so he is love. Everything that he does in your life is based on love. He's based in love. God doesn't do anything in your life out of hate. I want you to know that nothing, nothing that God will ever do for you is because God hates you. You can't find that. But God loves you. And so he will move in your life because he is love. Now, when God gets ready to move, we call this grace. Everything that God does in your life is not based on your merit. When God gets started with you, he does it in grace. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy 
is not getting what we deserve. Okay, are you tracking with me? If, if I rob a bank, justice is, you got to do some time for that, okay? Mercy is, we'll forgive you this time, okay? And, and if a 12-year-old sometimes does something like that, we'll be like, listen, you're 12. You know, like we'll give you more time to understand what you're doing. Mercy, right? Grace is gaining what you cannot work for. Jesus, when Jesus came, this is the grace of God. I want you to see this. God's grace. You and I do not deserve heaven. This is justice. But we also could not work for or earn heaven. You can't earn or work for the goodness of God. You can't earn or work for a relationship with, with God. This is grace. Through Christ, God has invited you into something far better than you could imagine. Not only do we not get what we deserve, we gain something we could never earn or work for. This is the grace of God. Now, everything now that God is doing based in love, it's grace. It, what is it received by? It's received by faith. It's received by faith. This is why faith is so important. I brought a baseball glove this morning because I want to put this illustration. I've done this before, but it's been a couple years. And I, I want to get it out because I want to put this in your minds and your hearts today. Okay? Faith is the glove that receives what grace is throwing. Okay? So, so if I'm playing catch with my son, he's starting to play baseball now. We're throwing the baseball back and forth, but the glove enables me to catch the ball. When God, God, it's based in love, okay? But God is throwing grace in our life, and it is received by faith. It's received by faith. Faith enables you to receive or catch what God is throwing in your life, okay? This is why faith is, is really so important. You can have imagination for something that God doesn't want to do, but you can't have faith for it. You can only have faith for what grace is throwing. Meaning, if you're married today, you can't believe God for somebody else's spouse. That's outside of God's will. Because adultery is, in the word of God, is wrong. So if you married, we got to get some counseling because you stuck, okay? You can't just believe God for somebody else's spouse and call that faith. All right? Oh, come on. Let me pastor for a second, okay? You, just, you can have imagination for something outside of God's will. You could imagine what that would be like, but you can't have faith for it. You can only have faith for something that God or grace is throwing. In fact, faith begins, if you're taking notes, write this down. Faith begins where God's will is known. Faith begins where God's will is known. When I read the word, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and I know God's will, then I can get the glove of faith out, and now I can receive what grace is throwing in my life. Are you all tracking with me so far? Let me teach this a little bit, okay? Faith begins with what we've got. Now, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago. When you order a package from Amazon, right? Now, it comes in two hours, which is pretty breathtaking sometimes, right? Or the next day, okay? But when you first order it, you, you have it by faith because you're not holding it, right? Like you ordered it, but you don't hold it. Okay, so what are you using? You're using faith in Amazon to deliver on their promise. Okay, that's what we're doing. I just gave you money. You took my money, but I don't have it yet. That feels unfair. What are we using? Faith that Amazon will deliver on its promise to bring me the package. And then when I open the package, now I'm actually holding it. So I don't have faith anymore that it's coming. I got it. The Bible says now faith is the confidence I'm holding what God said he's going to give me. 
I don't have it, but I'm holding it in here because God said it's coming. It's on its way. I've ordered it for you. My grace has ordered it for you. Trust me. Faith is this beautiful trust and confidence in God. And you can't have faith for something outside of God's will. Like I say, you can have imagination, but you can't have faith. But you can have faith for something that is God's will. And that's why faith begins where God's will is, is known. If, if you're a believer here today and you haven't read the Bible in like three months, how are you going to know the will of God unless you read the word of God? So let's just, let me, let me be petty for a moment, be a petty pastor. Let's crack open our Bibles and let's read the Bible. I'm willing to bet you're missing some things because you're not reading the word. Okay. All right. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard to the word about Christ. So as I read God's word, as I learn about Jesus, even faith for salvation comes when I hear what God wants to do in my life. God loves you. God wants to save you. I have faith for it. And I receive what God's grace is trying to do in my life. Okay? So so that's where faith comes from hearing. Okay? Hearing that word of God. Faith is spiritual. Faith is a spiritual substance. Faith is not emotional. Faith is not imagination. Faith is a spiritual thing that we have, that we hold on to. It is grounded or planted in the Word of God. This confidence resonates from knowing God's will. It it grows in the soil of God's Word or God's revealed Word to you. 95% of life is in the written Bible. You can open the Bible and learn principles on how to run your career. You can learn principles of how to treat your neighbor, what God wants to do in your life. You can open up the Bible and read all kinds of promises, things that God wants to do in your life. And then some things are unique to what the Holy Spirit is going to tell you to do. So like specifically, what should you go into? You have to hear the Holy Spirit. Who should I marry? Well, that's a big one you want to hear from the Holy Spirit. You know, where should I move? So not everything is in the Bible, but a lot of things are in the Bible. And some things you need the Holy Spirit to talk to you to get God's will, okay? So do you understand the difference between imagination and faith, though? There is definitely a a difference. We don't create something in our head and then be like, well, I got faith for it. No, no, no. We hear from God. Then we respond in faith. Because now we're responding in faith to what grace is wanting to, to throw, okay? Faith is wildly potent and powerful, okay? Matthew 17, 20. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they go, why couldn't we cast out this evil spirit? And he said, because you had so little faith. He said, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it's going to move. Nothing is going to be impossible for you. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus is saying, listen, guys, just a small, small mustard seed side of faith can move the largest physical obstacle in your way. Why? Because the power of faith isn't faith itself. The power of faith is that it's planted in the power of God. So faith can do anything God can do. And God is unlimited. I don't have faith in my faith. I have faith in his grace. My faith is not powerful because it's my faith. My faith is powerful because it's planted in God. So God is saying, if you'll give me just the smallest amount, I can move the largest physical obstacle in your life, right? So, so his illustration is like, well, what's, what's in your way? You know, what do I want to do? When I face challenges, one of the first things I want to know is, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? 
Because if I just come up with all my own plans, well, a lot of those could fail <laughs> and not work out. So when I come up against stuff in life, literally one of the first things I want to do is, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Uh, because if you don't want to go that way, well, then I can't believe for it. I don't want to go that way. You know, but if you want to go this way, then I want to go that way. Now I can start trusting you for it. You know, I'd rather have it look bad on the outside, but be good in here. than look good on the outside and just be like, ooh, something's wrong in here. Okay, I've learned over 20 years of following Christ. Like, I really want to hear what the Holy Spirit is doing. I love, I love this quote by Corey Ten Boom. Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. How did all of these heroes of faith get to where they ultimately were going in the end? By faith. They believed that God could use them, work with them, do the thing that God said that he would do, and they trusted him for it. Okay, so, so what does the Holy Spirit want to do in your life? What does the Bible say that God wants to do in your life? Let's start reading and let's start listening and let's start responding in faith. You're going to get a lot farther that way than always trying to twist God's arm to do your will. Okay, like I have learned so much in life. The successful Christian life is not, God, come over here, do what I'm doing. There's a lot of frustration in that. It's much more the Holy Spirit saying, come over here and do what I'm doing. Yes, Lord, I'm going to come over here and do what you're doing. Because that's where the grace is. That's where the will is. That's where I can start receiving in faith. Some of you are frustrating your Christian process because you're trying to make God fit in your box. God will never be able to fit in your box. He just cannot fit in your box. Does God want to meet your needs? Philippians says, God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. Of course God wants to meet your needs, but God will meet your needs his way. So often in life, he will rarely meet your needs your way. His way is already blessed. I think if there's frustration in faith, it's often I'm trying to do something God doesn't want me to do. And I spent many years trying to twist God into my will instead of just surrendering to his will. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's faithful. He is who he said he is. He's, he's yesterday, today, and forever. So faith is quite atomic stuff. You know, and that's why when people go, you didn't have faith, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, let's, let's be careful there. Like, God is so big. He's so powerful. He's so all-knowing. He's so wise. And he said just a small amount of faith can move the biggest physical thing but I want to know him. I want to know what he wants to do in my life. Faith is a shield. Uh, Ephesians 6, 16, I love this. He's, he said, take up the shield of faith and you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You can use your faith to receive something from God and you can use your faith as a barrier between you and the enemy. Show the picture of ancient Roman warfare. This is what Paul is talking about here. The Romans had these massive full body shields and when they would do warfare, uh, against other peoples and nations and stuff, they would have one guy in the front get low and put the shield down, and they would have the other guys behind them put the shield on top. And so what they would often do in ancient warfare is they would dip their arrows in oil and different things, light it on fire. So when they're shooting arrows at each other, there's literally these flaming arrows flying at each other. So obviously if you got hit by a flaming arrow that had oil on it, you would catch on fire. So the damage was obviously very much increased there. And so what they would do is they would put the shield in front and the shield over top, and they would kind of cover the entire unit, almost like a turtle shell. It's what, it's what ancient Roman warfare looked like. It was almost like this huddled up shell. And then that's how the Roman army was wildly effective back in the day. And that's one of the reasons they did it. Paul is saying, listen, guys, that's what your faith is. 
when the enemy comes at your mind with these fiery darts, and these fiery arrows, when he comes at your soul, when he, when he tries to belittle you and tell you God's not going to do it, you can use your faith and pick up your faith as a shield. And it's a barrier between you and the devil. And I love that because I'm like, devil, if you want to mess with me, you first have to get through my father. And my father will not let me, he's not going to let you have me because I belong to him. You think a stranger is going to come up to me and be like, let me have one of your kids? You think that's going to happen? Not in a million years. Why would your father hand you over to the enemy? He's not going to do it. Come on. That is really good teaching this morning. Pick up your shield of faith. When the enemy comes in, he starts lying. Hey, that's cool, devil, but I have a shield of faith. Here's what God is going to do in my life. Here's the promises of God. Here's the love of God. Here's the grace of God. Yes, that was my past, but it's not my future. That's the mistake I made, but it's not the message that God has given me. Okay, it's where I was. It's not where I'm going. You know, yeah, that did happen, but this is going to happen. The shield of faith. It's not where I've been. It's where I'm going. Okay, yeah, devil, you're trying to discourage me, but this is what the promise is saying in my life, the shield of faith. I'm going to lift it up. How do you fight a lot of spiritual warfare? You just pick up the shield of faith. You know, all these weapons of warfare are defensive except the sword of the Spirit, which the Bible says is the Word of God. And if you look at the way Jesus squared off with Satan, all he did was use the Word. All I have to do is pick up my shield of faith and then just tell the enemy the Word of God, and I start winning a lot of spiritual battles. You know, how do you fight spiritual warfare, Pastor Matt? Well, I don't stomp around my couch and scream at the devil all day long. And I'm not a devil-conscious Christian. I want to be a Jesus-conscious Christian. I don't like people that run around and talk about the devil all day long. I'm like, yeah, I know he's there, but I don't want to spend 90% of my Christian life talking about what the devil's doing. I want to talk about what Jesus is doing in my life. And I'm going to pick up my shield of faith, and if the devil does talk to me, I'm just going to tell him the word of God, and I'm going to go on with my day. I'm going to pick up my shield of faith. So faith is a, it's a shield. It's this barrier between me and the attacks of the enemy. Faith can grow. Romans 4.20, talking of Abraham, said he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Your muscles grow when we work out. Your mind grows when you read and you have difficult conversations, right? Your faith grows when you trust God. God comes to Abraham, you're going to have a son, right? 25 years Abraham waited and trusted God. And he stumbled a few times, but over time his faith grew and he re received. God is going to make you wait somewhere in life. Somewhere with some issue, he's going to make you wait. Because he makes every Christian wait. One of the most annoying things to me about the nature of God and I love God with all my heart, but one of the most annoying things about the nature of God for me is God is not a microwave, God is an oven. And I do not get to push three buttons and in 30 seconds the promise comes. God decides the promise and God decides the timing and God is an oven, he is not a microwave. And so if he's having you wait this morning, you're in good company. <laughs> Okay, we're all waiting on something. What is he doing? He's growing my faith. In fact, the only way for God to grow your faith is make you wait. Because if he delivered it in two hours, you don't have faith anymore for it. And so he'll tell you a promise, and then he'll get you kind of hooked on that promise, 
and then he'll just make you wait. But it's how your faith grows. God does want to give you things, but God also wants to grow you. And in the end, what he wants, he wants you and I to fall in love with the promise, sir, not just the promises. And so he's working on our souls so that I love him, not just the things he gives me. All right? I want my children to love me, not just the Legos I give them. Do you see? I hope in the end they fall in love with me, not the stuff I give them. How shallow of a life would it be if God just gave me cars and houses? There's no love. There's no relationship. I've missed the point. Right? When you marry a man, you get to move into the man's house. Why? Because of the relationship. Right? So many of us, we love the idea of heaven, which is great. But we go because we have a covenant with Jesus. There's the relationship with the Father. We're invited into the Father's house because we know the Father. So I don't want to just love stuff and love heaven. I want to love him. And so God's like, hey, here's a promise. But in the end, I hope you love me, not just the stuff I give you. God can give you a lot of stuff in life, but does God have your heart? Okay, I'm meddling. I'm going to go on. Okay. But Abraham grew. His faith grew. The more he used it, the longer he waited. Ironically, his faith didn't get weaker. His faith got stronger, and God delivered on that, and so your faith can grow. When God makes you wait, I feel like there's two great responses, and I'll start winding down with this. There's two great responses the human heart can have when God gives you a promise, and then God puts you in the wait zone, and he makes you wait. Two ways we can respond as human beings. Here's what I want to zero in on on you today. The first response that we can do is we can complain. We can complain. We can get a little bitter, and we can start complaining against God. The children of Israel turned an 11-day journey into 40 years because they kept complaining. Complaining will delay your promise. It will delay your destiny, and it will delay your journey. God hates complaining. Here's why. Because complaining is rooted in pride. Listen to me. When we complain, what we're ultimately saying, God, if I was you, this is how I would do it. That's complaining. If I was you and I had the power to make it happen, this is how I would do it. So why aren't you doing it the way I think you should do it? But that's pride. Now in my mind, I put myself above God. That's deep, isn't it? I love you. That's why I'm pastoring to you. What's the remedy for complaining? The other response the human heart can have is gratitude. Gratitude in the dictionary is the quality of being thankful and the readiness to show appreciation and return kindness. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's will is that you're thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't mean you're thankful that all these different things happen, but you are thankful in all circumstances. God's will is that you're thankful and that our spirits are full of gratitude. I like this quote. We can complain because rose bushes have thorns or rejoice because thorns have roses. It's perspective, guys. Are you waiting? Are you going through something? Yes, like all of us are. Zig Ziglar, I love this quote. He says, be kind because everyone is facing a hard battle. 
Everybody is facing something. But as I face it, I can be grateful and thankful or I can complain. I'll close with this, Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want a spirit of gratitude. I want to thank God. Man, over the years, I have grown in this a lot. God is still working on me. You know, I'm one of those goal-setting kind of people. I'm never as far down the road as I want to be. That's just the way I love growth, and I've, I always go slower than what I want, right? Remember, I'm the microwave guy. I'm not the oven guy. I don't like the oven part of God. But over the years, I've learned, be quiet and just thank God, because what doesn't get you there faster is complaining. That just makes God say, that's great. I'm going to leave you in the oven even longer. You're not done. You're mushy on the inside, so stay in there a little bit longer. Pressure will expose what's inside of you. It really will. The oven exposes what's inside of you. And God will bake you to perfection. He won't bring you out prematurely. And so, you know, let's get there. Let me pray for you really quick. No, I beat you up enough today. All right, I'll get you out of here. I love you. Heavenly Father, I love this church. I love the people here, God. You love them a million times more, God. You have good for them. There's not an accidental blessing on their life. There is an intentional blessing on their life. Lord, we're all facing something. And so, Father, right now, this morning, we choose to be thankful. We choose to give you gratitude, God. We praise you. We may not be where we want to be, but thank you, God, we're not where we used to be. We are on a journey. We're getting there. You're going to be faithful. You're going to lead us. You're going to guide us. You're going to meet our needs. You're going to write our story. And so, God, today, we are going to be a grateful church. We are going to be a thank-filled church. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give it up for Jesus. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.